Welcome to the GameDev.TV Community Podcast. I'm your host KB, and I would like to introduce you to industry professionals and people who successfully made their path to the video game industry. I hope that you enjoy the podcast and get useful tips that will bring you closer to achieving your dreams. Now, let's get right into the podcast. Lauren Gugich, welcome to the GameDev.TV Podcast. Woo! Thank you. <laughs> you are CEO of the Cinematic Pie, correct? Chromatic Pie. Chromatic Pie, my bad. I knew it. I was like... <laughs> I looked it up earlier and I was like, I don't think that's right. But yeah, the chromatic pie. So explain a little bit what that, that is and a little bit about who you are and then we'll go from there. Well, uh, my name is Lorian and I'm born and raised in New Zealand, down under under. And um, I just have a, a passion for video games as a lot of us do. It's very deep seated for me from childhood. Um, and I just... I just found my home, really. I found, I'm so lucky that I've found a, a place where I can grow a career and really expand into all sorts of different corners of it, uh, which is what I'm doing with Chromatic Pie. That's awesome. Yes, yeah, so I saw the little bit about it, and it, you're basically trying to represent all communities in one, basically, yes. right? Yeah. So that's yeah. that's really good nowadays because it's like we need more of that so people can feel like representative and just connected and all that stuff. But I want to get to how you got started with all of this. So back when you were younger, did you play a lot of games? Were you into game design or you were just doing your thing? Like, What's your story? My story. So when I was younger, um, my, my dad was a gamer since before I was born. So I would watch him play Quake, Doom and Half-Life. What? Um, yeah. Probably a bit too young <laughs> to watch, but like, I just loved it. You know, I, he'd play it and I was so enthralled by what was going on on this computer screen. And it was like a whole new uh, experience, whole new world for me. So I grew up uh, with that, and so we had the Sega Master System 2, which I still have. It's uh, on one of my shelves in the lounge with all no that, the games. <laughs> I used to have <laughs> an old Sega too. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah, games do you have so for I, that? Um, I have Chuck Rock. Um, I've got Asterix and Obelix. Oh, um, yeah. Cod. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Bring yeah, I've back. got quite a few. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so we had that one, and then of course we went up to the PlayStation One. Um, my dad also had a, a Game Boy um, and a few of the types of those, um, but that was like his one. He didn't let us play on that too much because that was <laughs> that game. was his thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you want to mess up the save that. data? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, just the PS2, uh, Xbox. You know, it just sort of it just evolved over time and. When I was at school, I would quite often just come home and, uh, you know, drop my bag down and just play video games um, until, you know, homework or, or dinner time. So for me, video games has always been a part of my life. Um, for me, I, I started in the entertainment aspect of things. I was going through quite a hard time in my life uh, in my early 20s, and I found this YouTuber called The Rad Brad. And so I started watching his uh, Let's Plays and... You know, he helped me through my situation and, you know, we all go through things, but I found that people playing video games uh, for others was just this amazing medium and I really wanted to tap into that myself. And so that's really where my uh, streaming career began. And uh, I, <laughs> this is a lengthy story. But <laughs> <laughs> no worries. So, yeah, it's all good. We all want to hear it. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. So I guess from you know streaming on Twitch, it just sort of took off, and uh, I just I just loved interacting with people in real time, and I earned enough money where I could fly to America for my very first time and attend the the first TwitchCon. Uh, and I kept returning to go to other gaming conventions. And so I just loved networking, loved meeting the community, um, and just loved what I did. Um, but I found through playing my video games on the hardest difficulty, which is <laughs> something <laughs> not everyone does, but I, I love a challenge. Um, I found from that that I became more interested in game design and um, you know, the mechanics of, of combat and, and boss fights. And I just really wanted to learn more. And so I, I put out on Twitter one day, you know, I'm looking for a, a community management position because I knew community management quite well um, from this, the Twitch side of things. So I got a job as a community manager at a studio um, here in Wellington where I currently am. And then they offered me to be a producer because they saw some potential in me. So I took that role, uh, and then of course COVID hit. Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> and you Ooh. know the the layoffs and all that sort of jazz. So I found myself in a position where I was like, you know what? I love uh, video games. I see uh, sort of gaps within the industry for inclusion, diversity, and accessibility, and I really want to use my leverage from all the. The work I've done over the years, um, you know, all the social media presence that I've built up and really just build something meaningful and that's going to help, you know, propel the industry in New Zealand, but also globally, you know, we, we need to see more inclusive and accessibility uh, in games. Mm -hmm. I agree. That's a beautiful story. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> now, I want to get into the whole you playing games on the hard difficulty. Is that something okay. you want to challenge yourself? Like, what is the thought process? Because honestly, I'm on the same thing, but I do it because, like, gotta go big or go home. Gotta prove myself that I'm really good at stuff. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, you know. I, I started doing it because I just wanted, like, something else, you know, something more interesting. Um, and, you know, it, you, I start a game and this is on Twitch and it's in front of people. So it's not like I'm just doing it at home by myself, mm -hmm. which is way better. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, you're people not as vulnerable. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, no. So they'd watch me die like all these times and people would like come and go like, oh, she's not really good. But then, you know, a few hours into every game, I overcome that learning curve and then I end up just propelling to the finish. And for me, that feeling is just, I love that feeling, you know, that I've, I've stuck it in and I've learned the mechanics and I can really knuckle down and just like get through the game. And I just love that sense of um, accomplishment and uh, the people that watch me, they also, they're like, wow, you know, you actually like, did the dang, thing. You're really good. <laughs> no, but seriously, it's, it's weird. Cause like you, when you start to play in hard difficulties and you get better and better and better, you really become good at the game. Like I played God of War and yeah. God of War mode. And you really Same. can't get hit. Oh my gosh. Then you get to a point where you're just uh -huh. like, you're doing all the cool stuff. You're like, you can't touch me. You can't get me. I've learned the tricks. I've learned the stuff. I know when you're going to hit me. It's it's incredible. Yeah. And and it's it's cool because you go into this like flow state where you, you uh -huh. just won't give up until you get there, which I think can translate into like game design, game programming. Like you get to a point where you're like, you're going to fail, but like, well, in the game, I failed, but I kept failing, failing, and eventually I made it. So maybe the same thing can happen here. I don't know if you have the same type of like under yep. perspective when you play these hard games. 
but, yeah, but yeah definitely um there was a part in god of war uh, earlier in the game on god of war mode that i was playing and it was just you had the axe but you had all those uh i can't remember their their names but they were like frozen and if you hit them they came to life um and it was really hard to avoid you know you're in this confined area mm-hmm. and um that part i i was stuck there so many times and died so many times but <laughs> after then (laughs) it really set me up for like the rest of the game and then whenever those enemies came along i was like you guys are nothing (laughs) (laughs) did you beat the game like the whole game i did yep i I couldn't beat balder at the end i tried so many times i got to like the last part of his health and i just i was like i'm done i've spent i think i spent like a whole day actually like 24 hours on it and i was like all right it's it's time to it's time to cut <laughs> yeah 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 sometimes you have to sit back and be like yeah, i'll come back to this i got close enough because i watched it a little bit afterwards i was like oh no i'm at the end of the game i pretty much beat it so yeah. but it, the hardest part too and i don't think they did it easy is when you got them low enough health they would like reheal and then have a second bar of health so i remember i was watching my yeah. friend playing like him and i was like bro this is too easy i'm just like slashing them i'm like you have to go god of warm up makes you better Makes you strong. So yeah. yeah. No, it's uh yeah. I remember being on top of the the mountains when you get the achievement after walking through this this cave scene, and um the music plays and it's just this like, oh, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a good game. I can't wait for the next one. Now, yes, when you were doing your producer job, how was what was that like? How did you prepare for that? How did you evolve in that role? Wow, yeah, so being a producer for the first time was uh, quite, it was quite something, you know, when when I was a part of um, the studios called A44 Games, um, they didn't really have a a producer structure at the time. So we had um, two other producers at the time, another junior, another mid-level producer. Um, So we didn't really have a a program to really nestle into, um, but then we got a senior producer in from the United States and she was just incredible. Um, uh, She came in February last year. Uh, Of course, I think I left in June, I believe. So I was only there with her for a short amount of time, but gosh, she had like 30 years experience and I really just got to go under her wing and learn, uh, you know, how successful, you know, how she's made herself successful and helped other companies. And so I really took a lot from that. You know, I'm someone that absorbs a lot, uh, probably more than I lead on to as well. Um, And I really just take it all in, take it on board. Uh, I was the producer for um, coding first and then I jumped over to design. So I was looking after systems narrative you know all the different Mm -hmm. facets of design so during that as well i got to understand you know how the different departments communicate with each other um got to understand you know what the different departments actually do what it's about how it all comes to life and i just yeah i just gained such a passion for it and was like you know what i know enough to start an indie game company (laughs) you know i I don't want to start this big triple a like you know but i can start indie and like and go from there so yeah no i loved being a producer it was great wow okay and so did you go to school for any game design game development or this was just from twitch and then eventually evolving towards being a producer and then how did yeah, that, yeah, I think yeah. Um, it was lucky, you know, I wanted a, I wanted a career, uh, some more financial stability in my life, um, 
you know, that Twitch couldn't really give me. Mm. So I thought, you know, community management would be the gig. And um, that felt like a natural uh, step to do that. Uh, but when they offered me a job as a producer, you know, it sort of opened doors for me. And I, I did see myself wanting to be a creative director one day while I was at the studio you know, like leveling up to that level over over a certain amount of years. Um, but no, you know, I asked other creative directors within the studio, I was like, you know, would you recommend going to school for something like this? And they were like, no, you can learn it all in-house. And a lot of teams are like that, you know, they will um, help support you to to get to the, the status that you want to get to uh, over time. Um, but, you know, if you want to go to a uh, game design school and whatnot, those are definitely helpful. But if you're already in the industry and you've worked at a game studio and you feel like you have enough experience to start something, um, you know, there's really nothing holding you back. And, um, yeah, I would just say just go for it like I have. <laughs> I have a bit of courage, though. It does take courage. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask, like, do, were you nervous? Not Well, let's not talk about the studio yet, but were you nervous when they were like, okay. you want to be a producer? And then, because yeah. you had no experience before, so you were like, I have community management experience, but not producer. So how did you feel about that? Were you like, let's just bring it on? Or what was your mindset? Yeah, um, for... Yes, I was. I was, you know, I've got a really optimistic attitude and, uh, you know, I just feel like, you know, anything I could put my mind to, I can I can do it. And if if it doesn't turn out, it doesn't turn out. You know, what have you got to lose? So I really just gave it my all um, and really tried to learn in my own way, in my own time about how everything works. And I got to know the people at the studio as well, you know, not just from a level of you know, telling them when their tasks were due or milestones and whatnot, but actually, you know, getting to know them as people and um, how these different individuals work together, but so differently, you know. And so I, that's what I really loved about being a producer was that, that communication aspect and that, like, that human level of, like, I don't, I'm not just going to be this person that tells you what to do, where to go, but actually, like, you know, get amongst it. Okay, wow. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. That's it's just it's insane because I've I've known a lot of people, even myself, where it's just like, I don't know if I feel ready for that, even though I've done a lot of different things. I've never done it. So you feel kinda nervous. You get that pushback, but it's like you gotta try it to learn what it's like. Yeah, and definitely. It, yeah. So going to, to the Twitch, how did you get that started? You just started streaming, started playing games and showing the world with, like how did you get how'd you get popular? All right, so uh, I started streaming in January 2015, so I've actually been doing it for six years now, mm. <laughs> and we'll probably keep doing it till I'm elderly, I suppose. That's Why not, be right? kind of weird, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, at that stage, I guess it'll be like normal. We'll be like the first ones to be like elderly gaming personalities or whatever, but that's really funny. That'd be interesting. About. You'd be an old grandma and be like, hey, you guys ready to play some whatever? Yeah, like your life? followers that have <laughs> followed you through since, you know, your conception, you're all old, you know? <laughs> um, I want, yeah. Oh my goodness. So for me, you know, I started with Destiny and, you know, Destiny came out September 2014, so it was kind of new, um, especially on Twitch. And I just grew a community there and, uh, I don't know, I guess at the time there wasn't many New Zealand streamers as well. So I had the advantage of um, an interesting accent. Um, of course, um, I was a female, which we don't have like a leg up, but um, it does 
it can help, you know, on a platform that's majority of male viewers, you know. So, you know, from all these different angles, you know, I was just getting a lot of followers, a lot of viewers, and I really built up a, a really special community. And so from then I just decided, you know what, you know, I was getting about a thousand viewers. It was actually going really successful. But then I wanted to to go to variety. It was just I couldn't play this one game like day in, day out, day in, day out anymore. Even if it meant money, you know, I, that's just me. I, I have to be authentic uh, to my core when I can. And so when I did that, you know, um, my viewership went down, but then it gradually built back up. And then my community was just this more like well-rounded community of uh, different interests, but they could all come together to watch me play whatever game that I wanted. And uh, in New Zealand, you know, being in a small country and at the time one of the very few Twitch streamers that was at that level of success, uh, I got media attention, um, you know, I was on um, a lot of articles, I was on some news channels um, and it was just, it was just really great that helped really elevate me in the um, American saturated market. And uh, yeah, no, it's just, I, I'm so thrilled that I've had such a successful Twitch career. And, um, but you know, now I really just want to uh, do that as a, as a hobby and not rely on it for money and uh, just get started with uh, my gaming studio. That makes sense. Now, when you got media attention on the news, how did that feel like? You were like, I'm, I'm famous now? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was crazy. Uh, it's kind of, you know, my first sort of media attention was in the local newspaper. <laughs> my dad actually, uh, he, yeah, he wrote in, it was called the Hawks Bay Today. Mm -hmm. And they, he wrote in and then they contacted me and did a piece on me. And, you know, from there, then other wider uh, news outlets in the country were like, hey, like, we want to do a piece on this girl. And so that's sort of how it, like, dominoed into into what it uh, became for me. And, uh, yeah, now I, I know a lot of journalists, you know, it's just, yeah, it's it's crazy to think about. <laughs> that's insane. Just, just by playing games, you can become, like, this big thing. Because five not even like i don't know how i'm 23 like seven years ago eight years ago i was like there's no way people would be paid to play games i just watched them on youtube for fun but now it's like literally there's community streamers and all this yeah. twitch community i hear just people just sharing their experiences sharing games because not everybody can play games they don't have the money to buy it or some people just want to watch people play it's more comforting or the streamer themselves helps them get through tough times like happened to you and actually in fact i would yeah. like to get into at least how you how your mindset was during that hard times and how you got through it right wow so i guess those hard times like thinking back on it was very minor i've been in some uh worse times mm -hmm. <laughs> since then but you know from each uh, bad time I've been through, you know, video games has always been there for me, but I've always been there for myself as well. Mm -hmm. And through each time you sort of learn about, you know, how how best to get through it the next time uh, in case, you know, something happens to you. And um, I guess that's, yeah, that's really, video games is just like on the side of that, um, mm -hmm. really. But, you know, for example, um, the biggest one in the last few years was um, I got married to another Twitch streamer in America mm. and we have a child together 
And so I moved my life over there with a newborn baby and it, it didn't work out, unfortunately. So I had to move all the way back to New Zealand uh, from, from America. That's tough. Uh, with, yeah, with an eight month old. Uh, and then and then we've been separated for almost three years now. So it's it's not too recent, but that was really hard for me to go through as a, as a solo parent. And, um, you know, at the time I was just a Twitch streamer um grieving didn't really know what to do and then i you know really just catapulted myself into to game development and three years on i'm here with my own uh indie studio and i'm just like i'm just so proud of myself mm -hmm. no, yeah, <laughs> so really just, like, sticking to it. thank you yeah <laughs> it's not easy doing what you did but you you did it and that's all that matters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also want to hear a story about your name, the the twist name you made. Is it Lori okay, Pops? Yeah. How did that Yeah, Lori Pops. So uh, my first name's Lorian, and my family name is uh, Lollipop, Lolly, oh. Lollipop. Like there's yeah. some different variations <laughs> of it. So I thought, you know, how can I combine Lollipop and my name? So I came up with Lori Pop, <laughs> or Lori Pops, I guess. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Awesome. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> now, for anybody who wanted to do like Twitch streaming, like whether it's for just games or even game development, what advice would you give them? Um, I would say that Twitch streaming is actually a great segue to break into the game development industry. Uh, it really is, you know, I don't think I could have got to where I am without all the networking and all the contacts and all the, the friends that I've made in the industry, you know, uh, including video game studios and playing video games uh, for them and, and whatnot. So it really is a great segue. But to get into Twitch, I would say um, just, you know, be yourself or offer the most unique aspect of yourself. Um, or if you're someone that likes to put on a persona, that's fine. But like really stick to that and be consistent in the video game that you play. I would say start off with one. So your uh, community has one core interest to, to come together and, and bond over. And then from there, if you want to do variety, then slowly branch out into variety. Um, also, you know, networking, I will say that again, networking is so important and it is so valuable, especially if it's genuine networking, not just, you know, trying to trying to get a leg up in the business, you know, make sure yeah. it's genuine. Um, but those are probably the core core aspects um, of how I would say breaking into Twitch. Um, game development wise, you know, there's a lot of community uh, manager positions available in game dev now, and a lot of people from the Twitch scene are actually stepping over into these roles. Um, so I would recommend that as well, you know, just getting amongst that, working with these studios and, you know, they most likely already know who you are as well if you're a successful streamer. And so you've got that sort of bonded respect there already. Um, yeah, no, it's um, my story is quite unique. You know, there's not many Twitch streamers that have gone this far into game development uh, or have been as aspirational as I have. So I don't really have too many people to like converse with about it, but I yeah. do have a few friends in community management. So I, I chat to them a lot. Yeah, you're unique and that's good because it allows more people to follow in your footsteps. Yeah, I, I do hope, you know, through it's something I am with my Twitch and my online communities is I'm very transparent about, you know, the, the issues I face, my adversities, you know, of being a solo parent um, and a woman in the industry as well. I'm very open about that stuff. And 
you know, I really care about those uh, human to human sort of genuine interactions uh, where you can, you know, inspire other people. You They could be like, hey, this person's going through this. I don't feel as alone. You know, I'm all about that sort of thing. So, yeah, this this felt like a natural step for, for me to take making a studio that's inclusive, diverse and focused on accessibility. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Now, the studio, how did this come about? So uh, when I was sort of stagnant, you know, it was during a COVID lockdown uh, when redundancies were made at the company. And I sort of thought, you know, where are my next steps? And once I decided, you know what, I want to I want to make an indie studio, you know, something small, something a bit humble. Um, and so I was like, OK, well, what what can I name this company that is uh, representative representative of being inclusive? Um, and so I thought, hmm, and I just sort of brainstormed for a while. And I was like, well, everyone likes pie. And then I was like. <laughs> You're not wrong there. And I was pie. like, yeah. <laughs> you know, people people like food. They like pie. So I was like, huh. And then I tried to, like, uh, search different words for um, different colors, you know. And chromatic um, is one of those words that encompasses um, different uh, color spectrums and, and whatnot. Um, so I was like, okay, well chromatic pie rolls off the tongue yeah, and so I had a vision in my head for the logo at that point and I was like huh I want to you know give this to somebody to create pixel art um, her name is cast pixel on twitter at cast pixel and I reached out to her and she's um, lgbtq plus as well and so I just felt like this perfect fit and what she came up with was just like the spinning image of what I had in my head and it just it just really clicked and so it just yeah it had to be all encompassing of the the company's vision so that vision you had is exactly what you have nowadays with the uh red yellow green blue purple pie we're all slices from the same yeah, pie. So I was, yeah yeah <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> it Thank and then you. i saw no problem and then i saw you also uh, made a real version of it that is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> so what type of pie is it? Is it it's yeah, made that? from it's made from sago and custard. So if you don't know what sago is, uh it's I guess it's you know, everyone knows what rice do you know what rice pudding is? Yeah. Yeah, like so that? it's kind of got the same texture as rice pudding, uh, except it's sago and it's um it's a similar texture to to rice, you know, it's sort of uh it's sort of firm but sort of soft at the same time and so and it's flavorless so yeah sago and custard i wanted to make sure it was like bulky like the picture yeah. and uh yeah no it just sort of came to life it was you know i thought it would be a neat <laughs> launching thing you know to have it on the website at launch <laughs> yeah that's awesome i was like no way you made the pie come to life now how long did it take <laughs> you to make the pie come to life like did you spend time like studying recipes or did you already like do you bake a lot so did you really know how to like make a pie or? I I don't do a lot of baking, um, but you know I was thinking back to the time I made my very first pumpkin pie, uh, you know because uh, oh, America, so yeah. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? If I can make pumpkin pie for the first time, I think I can experiment with this. So I think for me, you know, I the blog is actually on the website chromaticpie.com. I actually have listed, you know, how the steps and what I did to make the pie. And my my three year old son helped me, which was incredible. Um, but yeah, no, it was just experimenting. It took a two uh, a few different tries uh, with a friend as well to get it right. And 
yeah, I finally just just landed on a, a decent one, but <laughs> yeah, it was it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> and then how did you get the colors to be perfect like that? Because I would imagine I had to mix think. them in different bowls. Yeah, I had to like segregate the colors into different bowls and add in uh, the right amount of food coloring, and and then just carefully like make them into like this circle. <laughs> I have an eye for detail, so this really helped me in this regard. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah, you made one version. It just didn't look like the way you wanted it. Didn't work it. out, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's that's unique. <laughs> that's amazing. I want to try some now. So, like, you're saying this soon they're going to have yeah. it where, like, you can buy some or just just to make the recipe follow the recipe no it was just like a, a novelty thing you know something fun to put out there that yeah. would make people uh interested yeah wow so then you started the the chromatic pie in october of last year right yes yes so what was the process like leading up to that moment like the technical stuff so you came up with your idea what did you do next yeah. Um, so I I didn't launch the studio uh, without having a game in mind. So what I did was really just try to detail as much as I can about a video game idea and really just uh, go through and make sure that it's something that I'm happy with before I can hand it off to uh, developers to, to bring it to life. So, so that is something I worked on there, uh, writing some documentation, but also, you know, the business side of things like incorporating the company, uh, getting those bank accounts up and running. Um, you know, my my accountant that does all my Lori Pops uh, content creation stuff, he's doing my uh, chromatic pie stuff and he's just absolutely amazing. So, you know, I made sure that I, I set all these important things up, you know, but pretty base level uh, business stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, so I did that and yeah, I, I guess, you know, just making sure the website was up and running. I tried to make the website uh, as accessible as possible. I tried to make it um, easy to read, easy to, to navigate. And I was actually really surprised because, you know, I didn't have any help with the website's design. I just went on Squarespace and picked a layout and then adjusted it from there. But when I went on to this accessibility uh, tool website, you actually enter in your website and it tells you how accessible it is and where you need yeah. to improve. So I actually got, I think, a 97% rating. Um, hey, not that. bad. And yeah, so I was like, wow, like I actually, you know, my um, my intuition really paid off there. I, you know, I, I did it all quite well. Um, so I was really proud of that, you know, and just, yeah, making sure I had all these things done, like the, the fun thing, like the pie, um, and uh, I've got some hats as well, some chromatic pie caps and, and bucket hats too. So I was just yeah organizing quite a few things behind the scene to make the launch as um, as impressionable as possible. Oh, I see. You got the CEP bucket hat and the CEP brush cotton cap for the yeah. uh, two different hats. That's so cool. That's awesome. I, want, I need to get myself one. There. <laughs> so... <laughs> I see you also, so the game you're working on is a Unity 2D platform game? Yes. Is there uh, any details so. <laughs> or are you just keeping it all secret? Yeah, it's a secret for now. Uh, so yeah, it is a 2D pixel platformer on Unity. Um, it is, yeah, I don't really know how much I can say about it without 
without giving it away, I would say that it isn't like any other platformer um, that you know of or that you've played. I specifically designed a core element, um, actually two core elements of the game. This is what you want, but you know, when you're um, in the game design, you want it to uh, be different from other games in, in, to, in some degree. So I've got two core elements that'll really make people think, you know, wow, this is interesting. Wow, that's really that's really fun. Wow, this works out really good, you know. So that was really important to me to make the game um, stand out from the crowd and have a chance of of being more successful than it would if it was just another 2D platformer. Yeah, and then for the development team, is it how many people is it? Or yeah, is there you? Sorry, at the moment. Would you would you be surprised it's just me right now? <laughs> so I've done everything right now. However, um, I have been in talks with uh, two investors that are really interested in coming on board. Um, that is another thing, you know, indie, indie studios really struggle with finding funding um, and finding you know, just that support that you really need. So I've been lucky with my with my social media presence and status and a lot of people know about me in New Zealand and overseas as well. And, you know, an investor, one of the first investor that found me, found me on Twitch. And he just tuned in to watch my uh, The Last of Us Part 2 uh, gameplay and what I thought of the game. And I just happened to be talking about Chromatic Pie at the time. And then he reached out to me on LinkedIn and then we started talking. And, you know, those sort of things are like crazy, you know, like what if he turned in at a different time? I would have missed that yeah. opportunity uh, completely, you know. That's life. Yeah, yeah, it definitely mm -hmm. is. So so that was sort of how that came about. And um, I knew that my business uh, was unique from all others, you know, from conception, what it's all about, the logo, the name and everything. I knew that I could grab attention from current, you know, future investors that way. Um, also with my, my status in the country and globally in the industry. And so another investor, uh, which I, I won't name any of them, but the second investor that's interested is from America. And I've known them for a very long time. And, you know, they're entrepreneurs. And you just never know where your contacts are going to like link into each other or anything like that but i've actually enrolled myself into an incubation program a business incubation program that goes for uh three months to 12 months so i'm really just trying to do all these things myself to make sure that um i have enough money to hire people when the time comes that I can be a good boss, uh, that I can really lift up the company and ensure its success. And so, yeah, I really needed to do all this ground level work first before I could get anybody else on board with me. Oh yeah, that's key because you need to make sure you're all set and prepared to launch your business to success. And that's another thing for any all the students listening that like you must focus on the small things. You don't think it's important, but it becomes important like lawyers um having like legal stuff taken care yeah. of the bank accounts the, the i mean the logo and the website all other stuff is like cool and nice but there's a lot of like different things too that's really important yeah. and then you know you, you're killing it so congrats Thank and also yeah i do want to yeah. say that um you know game developers uh you know they can make 
amazing games, but they don't always make great business people or great managers or great Mm. studio owners. So that's one thing I really want to emphasize is you really need to educate yourself on how to run a business. Um, Doesn't matter how talented you are at um, making a game, you really need to get the business side. So for me, business side comes more naturally to me and game development is more secondary. So yeah, I would say that. Nice. And so for the little bit that you are doing, are you like doing the game design part of it, planning it out, blah, 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 making prototypes, drawing stuff, or are you just coming up with an idea and then eventually going to get everyone else to like build your vision? So I've, I've written some, because I was a producer for the design department, you know, yeah. as I said, like I hold on to things and mm-hmm. I'm like a sponge. So um, I saw, you know, the documentation, um, the, you know, the prototypes that they had made, you know, just everything, um, I really took it on board. And so I'm doing uh, what I can outside of the Unity engine at the moment. So once I hire people, they will be actually creating the prototype for me on a contract. um, And then we'll go and secure more funding if we haven't already. And then I'll officially employ them if they want to stay on board uh, and then hire like a wider team. So that's sort of my game plan at the moment. But as far as the game design goes, um, you know, I've designed the the sort of vision for the intro of the game, the cutscenes, uh, the first uh, narration of the game. Uh, you know, who you interact with as a player first, and I've I've sort of laid out the vision so it's easy to sort of uh, pivot off when it does come to putting it um, into a prototype. Wow, that's incredible. And for anybody who doesn't really understand like the process that it takes, how long? Has, have you been like designing this game and it been in your mind and and then how do you well first answer that and then we'll get to a little bit more into it okay so as of this year um, i've gone full-time into um working on the business last year was more a uh, sort of part-time um mm-hmm. you know because last year was quite tough for everybody and i was still streaming and whatnot so um i would say from about Oh, I don't really know exactly when I started designing my game. I had a game idea that had the same core mechanics, but the story was different. And I decided that I needed to iterate on the story. It was actually going to be about uh, mental health. And so I thought, you know what, that's actually, I want to do that sometime. But I think as a first title, it's probably a bit too much Uh, you know, those shoes are really big to fill and you have to do it right. So I sort of was like, okay, I'll bench that for another game. And then I decided to make a different story revolving around these core mechanics again. And then I was so much happier with this design. So there has been a a second iteration on the game already. Um, That just, you know, this year I'm hoping to get the prototype done around about mid-year. Uh, and I'm aiming to release the game 2023, possibly 2024. So just spend it two or three years on the game. Um, you know, for Chromatic Pie, I don't see the studio turning into a big um, realistic graphics, uh, big AAA sort of um, sort of company. I want to work on smaller games uh, so the company can work on different IPs at the same time. And um, 
yeah, hopefully rake in more money that way than, you know, mm -hmm. spending five to six, seven, eight years on one title. You know, that's <laughs> pretty tough. That's pretty tough on the yeah. team. And I I am so wowed by the companies that, that do that. But I've also seen the, the struggles, uh, the mm -hmm. many struggles of, of, you know, going through that. So for me, I want to have small teams working on smaller games um, and, and yeah, run the company that way. That's smart. We have a saying in this podcast where it's like, don't make wow, don't make the biggest thing possible. Make yeah, small games yeah. and then eventually you can make that yeah, big game just, down the line. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so then when you're now designing and thinking about this game, do you have like a, like a setup that you have to design the game? Like do you have like a board, nodes, flow charts? Yeah, so, yep. So I have a whiteboard, which I laid out my sort of uh, the steps to the game's completion and that involved in the earlier days like launching the website um completing the business plan uh you know all these little all these this little roadmap of those sort of things um so i'm a visual person and i need to you know have that sort of vision that's just always there for me to look at uh, so i had that i've also got a compendium that's filled with you know my ideas meeting notes from the meetings that I have uh, being a producer you know I've I really learned a lot of skills with um, taking down notes and referring to them later so I found that yeah compendium is very helpful um, what else have I got I've got a book it's actually just like a I don't know if I have it here with me at the moment but it's just like a a 2b 2b i think a red book and i just scribbled in it all these game ideas you know on every single page it's like letting my brain just like fart <laughs> to the paper <laughs> and um <laughs> nice. and so like that really helped me like just get all the creativity out and then from there i put it into like a more tidier format um so i am someone that doesn't really like to write all my ideas digitally from the get-go i'm more of someone that likes pencil on paper you know pen on Damn paper man. and then yeah go from there um you know i mean <laughs> the kids these days that are growing up they're going to be more digital you know mm -hmm. put it all in there but for me you know i it helps my creativity when i hold like a pen in my hand um and you know i've got a uh, a microsoft uh laptop that Microsoft kindly uh, gifted to me for the use of Chromatic Pi, which was amazing. Thank you again if you're listening. But uh, so I use that as a as a dedicated uh, device for Chromatic Pi, and it's strong enough to run uh, Unity. It comes off as a tablet as well, uh, so I can draw on it. And it's just yeah, yeah. I, you really need to surround yourself with uh, these different um, pieces that allow you to incorporate them separately um and put them into a computer when you're done nice and do you have anything running on unity yet like a little like little moving like blob sphere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh i went i started learning about unity uh last year because the studio i worked at worked inside unreal so unity was something new for me but i i knew that working on a, a platformer in unity was was quite beneficial so I went through their sort of tutorials and at the moment I'm still um, 
gaining a deeper understanding on how to uh, how to work it. There's a YouTube channel called Brackies. I don't know yeah, if you yeah, know the Brackies, YouTube channel. Yeah. yeah, so they've been super helpful. And they made a video, I think, a few months ago or something that they're like, they're gone. They're like, goodbye. We're not yeah, making videos gone. anymore. I was like, no. I can use you. Yeah, but, you know, there's heaps on there. So I'm all about uh, self you know, teaching yourself, uh, motivating yourself. Um, actually, another important aspect I didn't tell you uh, with, you know, starting Chromatic Pie is I've actually been listening to a lot of audiobooks on uh, entrepreneurship and on business and on um, finance. No way, really? Who's your favorite? What's yeah. your favorite book? <clears throat> so most of them are uh, written by women and narrated by women because I really do want to listen, you know, and feel related to in that regard so i don't uh, i've got my phone in here i'll have to reference to my phone because my memory is uh is not the best <laughs> so i've listened to uh unapologetically ambitious by shelly archambault the entrepreneur roller coaster by darren hardy that was written by a male um culture wins by william vanderblumen so I've listened to uh, quite a few and also some on just video games and making video games in general. And they're super helpful. You know, they're just, I think people should really turn to self-help. I don't know. Is there a stigma around like self-help, you know, that it doesn't <laughs> actually work? Because I feel like that is true. But for me, like I've actually absorbed everything as much as I can. And it's, it's great. Yeah, you're like, my life is awesome. I don't know what's yeah. wrong, but it's working for me. No, self-help yeah. is interesting because it, it does work. It Essentially, I think self-help is what they teach you is pretty much that's it. Like, so if one person tells you, well, you know, how to do this, this, and that, you don't need to read 30 or 40 other books because they're all going to basically tell you the same thing in their own way. So I think that's where the stigma comes, where it's just like you get in the cycle where you keep reading the same thing over and over and you feel motivated, but it's like, all right, you got the message. Now go make it happen. Go do your thing. Whoever told you doesn't matter, but just go. I think that's where the stigma comes from. Just to understand. And the whole gurus online. There's a lot of people online who destroy the self-help image. They don't know what they're talking about or they just started their careers. And it's like, maybe you shouldn't be the one telling me how to get my life. Yes. Like, so that's where the stigma thing comes from. But I, I think it works perfectly fine. And then, actually, this is another good book you should read. It's called Undaunted by Kara Goldman. Oh, I've Goldman. seen that one. I, I've you, been thinking about picking that one up. Yeah. You should. It's amazing. It's it's incredible. She's an amazing person. Actually, I did the podcast there yesterday where we talked oh, about. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, again, she just has this uh, mentality of just, like, whatever's in front of me, that's okay. I will get through it. This might not yeah. work. What can we do? And that's one of her, my favorite quotes in the book. It's like, yeah, you're right. Like, okay, this obstacle's in my way. I can't do this. But what can I do besides all that? What can we do to go around it, to make it happen? Because why not? Let's just let's see what happens. You can try. She says the one thing that really is important to her and what everybody should, like, take from the podcast is just try. Just try. Exactly. Just try that yeah. studio you want to make. Just try to make that game. Just try to do that. Get LAs. Just try. You'll never know what could happen. You might succeed. And if you don't, you learn. You either win or you learn. Exactly. So yep. that's what I take from self-help. And it's helped me too. Like, I, I don't know what to tell people. I, I'm sorry it didn't work <laughs> for you. I mean, I didn't spend like $10,000 on things. So that might be the thing too. I, I just buy the books and then listen to the free stuff online. And so. Yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah no, it's... um. 
they've been extremely valuable and I think I will always listen you know I've got the monthly um audible um ship uh what do you call it um subscription so I'm always going to be reading because of that (laughs) (laughs) I love reading reading is so much fun you learn so much I feel like nobody reads anymore I don't know if that's just me but I don't know. Well, for me, I listen to the audiobooks so I can, like, do my dishes. Like, I have to multitask. I don't want to, like, I can't sit still for too long. Like, I'm always, like, moving my hand or my leg or something. So I love listening to audiobooks because I can, like, do something else at the same time. Nice. Yes. So how do you, like, stay put when you're Twitch streaming? And do you just, like, how long do you do <laughs> Twitch stream for? Um... Possibly, I think nowadays between two and four hours at a time, yeah. you know, nothing too. Uh, in my earlier Twitch streaming days, I would do a 24-hour stream about once a week. Damn. <laughs> and wow. it was not good for my health. No, not at all. <laughs> you That's know, it's, it's not healthy. You know, it's not sustainable. Um, so, yeah, no, I stream for shorter minutes. <laughs> <minutes. laughs> How do you stay put when you're doing a Twitch stream? Is you just, like, in the flow of focus? Yeah, you know, I do. I, I shift myself on my seat sometimes. I I get sore knees, you know, if I sit uh, for too okay. long. So I am, uh, yeah, so I have to like, uh, what I'm doing right now is I've got my legs on one of my computers underneath the desk, <laughs> stretching out. So, yeah. you know, that's just, it's just me. Um, a lot of people are like that. And some can just like stay still for hours on end. And I'm like, how do you do that? <laughs> I don't, I don't, yeah, it's hard. I, I have a little thing for my feet to like raise me up so I can stay comfortable, but it's tough. I don't know. So I sit in this chair like most of my day. So I yeah. just programming and doing stuff. So Those standing desks are pretty good, but I don't know if I, I'd probably like switch it up like five times a day and be like, oh, yeah. this is annoying. It's too comfortable though. Like, as much as it helps, it's nice. Like, I, I don't know. There's just something nice about being like, all right. Yeah. I'm in my chair. I'm like, it's like Star Trek. I'm, I'm Enterprise. I'm in control. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's funny. But yeah, so let's see. What that mentality you talk about being into self help, do you feel like that's something people can learn to grow into? Or is that something that's just like. It's like, what's the inner talk that goes through you that makes you be more optimistic? Because I feel like you're a very optimistic, go getter, courageous person. So, like, Yes. What goes through your mindset? Is it like, hey, this is not going to work out? And you're like, no, it is. And then you go do it. Like, what's your inner dialogue? Yeah, like? you know, I've got I've got a lot of fight in me. Um, and I do like to exhaust my options so I know that they're exhausted, you know, if they, if they don't work out. So, for example, example, when I moved to USA, you know, I before I moved over there with my son, I was like, you know what? I don't want to leave my family. I don't want to feel alone, you know, all these things. And I don't want to, you know, leave this person. So I was just like, you know what? I just need to go uh, because I might regret it later on if I don't. And so I went and it didn't work out and it was horrible, but I don't regret it. And I I learned so much and it's sort of the same attitude um, that I took with me. So I moved back to my mother's place when I moved back from America. I did previously have my own apartment, but someone else moved in, unfortunately. So I went back to my mom's 
And then I got my job in community management and being a producer and I actually moved. So I moved to where I am now called Wellington and I have no family here. It's just me and my son. And so I moved here not knowing many people, um, making friends at the studio I was at. And so, you know, I, I am quite brave in that regard and I've sort of, you know, come up with this this attitude and this this way of life where you just need to, you need to do the thing. You know, for me, it's a matter of, securing a, a good life for my son and for myself and you know doing something I'm passionate about and there's nothing that could really get in my way to to achieve that so it really depends on like how badly you you want something how badly you're envisioning it um so self-help books when I first started listening to them that inner that inner voice for me was like these people are strangers you know they're telling you what to do because you're not doing it right you know and so like that's it <laughs> That's a natural response to have, but you do get past that and then you become more like open to others' perspectives, experiences, and it makes you just a better like all-around person. And so that's really why I, I do enjoy listening to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think everybody should at least like surround themselves with something self-help-ish, whether it's motivational videos or inspiration or audiobooks. Because I also kind of like that quote where who you surround yourself is who you will be. So if, like, let's say you're in a bad environment, if you put on the headphones and put on positive stuff, you're going to feel better. You're going to you're gonna feel like, in, in fact, you might even feel like those are your friends. So you'd be like, I want to impress them. I want to be like them. I don't want to let them down. So then you start to work on yourself, start to take care of yourself better, start to mentally think positive thoughts. It's, it's crazy what your environment can do. You can put you in a negative place or a positive place. So try to move yourself forward yeah. into a positive place. Exactly. So when you learn, you're learning Unity right now, what is the process like for you learning Unity? Are you just like watching a video a day? Are you spending like tons of hours? How do you effectively learn Unity? Um, as of this year, I haven't learned uh, too much. I've been working on the studio since uh, the 11th of January. So I've already been full time for a little bit this year. Uh, but for me, um, I started my process, uh, yeah, just downloading it, going through the tutorials. Unity is really great because you've got these uh, different tutorials suited for how you want to use Unity. You know, what kind of game do you want to make? And so they've got a platformer tutorial that was really helpful to me. So I've gone through that a few times. Um, and I do, I'm a big um, person for doing something more than once. You know, if you really want to retain um, mm. what you're learning, you need to do it more than once you know need to do it multiple times so i'm doing that um and also you know the brackies videos um i'm also learning from other youtube people uh, and the game dev scene as well um i really just yes yeah, surround myself with these different people different mediums of uh, ways to learn you know things that i i need i feel that i need to learn um so i'm really just trying to support myself in that manner but you know, Unity is going to take some time. Um, I, you know, in my job role as a uh, studio director and owner, I'm not going to be inside Unity a lot, but I do feel it's important to have, you know, the a decent understanding of the the engine that you are using. Because um, if you don't, then then what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, exactly, right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I'm not going thing. full ham, but I am learning enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's another self-help thing I heard where it's just like, even if you're not going to, I don't even know if it's self-help, it's more like leadership. It's like, yeah. if you're going to be a leader of somebody, at least have an understanding of what they're doing. So that way you can understand that the, the progress they're at. Like if somebody says, hey, I need to like exactly. do this thing. Yeah. You're like, 
I understand it's going to take you probably six hours. Instead of being like, why don't you have it done? Or like, get it's like, no, you have an understanding so you can better handle and lead your team towards, you know, build a better culture because of that. So, yeah, I agree. Yep, exactly. Yep, mm-hmm. definitely. So if anybody wanted to volunteer for, let's say, like to help you out, what what is the process like that? Are you doing anything like that? Or are you just keeping it closed until you have all your investors? Um, yeah, for me, it's, you know, I've got some friends that are interested in coming on board. Um, I've got one that wants to possibly be on the board of directors. And he is... He loves video games, plays them, but he's more of like, you know, the businessy side type of thing. So I've had support from friends like that. Also other friends in the industry that are just, you know, an ear for me to to talk to, uh, to bounce ideas off. And it's, it's really important to have that sort of support system, whether they're going to be a co-founder or not. You know, you need yeah. to talk to people and, and tell them what your plans are. And if necessary, you know, get them to sign an NDA if you're telling secrets or something. But, oh, yeah, definitely be careful know, there. Yeah. <laughs> so those are those are really important. Um, but, yeah, for me at the moment is just, you know, hopefully – uh, getting into that incubation program. I'm doing the prerequisites right now so I can. Um, so what they what they are, they're called Creative HQ in, uh, here in Wellington, and they're a council-funded uh, startup sort of supporting program. And so if I get into there uh, with my business, then they can help me find more funding um, and they'll obviously like coach me on um, making sure my business is going to succeed and, you know, strategies and all that sort of thing that can really help me. So, yeah, finding those avenues where you know you're going to benefit from um, is extremely helpful. And finding funding is not easy. So just yeah. just try and try and stick at it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like the advice about the funding. Now, are you ever going to plan on doing like a – Chromatic Pie Discord, or do you already have one? <laughs> I I do have one, but I haven't made it public yet. Uh, I haven't finished all the channels, but yes, I will be uh, launching a Chromatic Pie Discord. There is also a Reddit page as well. Ooh, okay. So I made sure I've got all the different social medias done. Oh, you're but ready. <laughs> and again, I, I yeah, well, kind of. I haven't uh, made the Reddit public either. I'm sort of like, okay, once I make it public, I'm gonna have to spend time maintaining it. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be. Different. Yeah. <laughs> awesome okay and then so there's two more things well one is what advice would you give anybody short advice because we already talked about mostly but for anybody just saying hey i want to start my studio i don't know where to go what's like something short you would tell them um i would say you know um the way i did it was you know is it really what you want to do you know you Mm. once you become an entrepreneur you sort of have to uh, dedicate time and effort and money even into, you know, starting up the business that you want to start up. So you can't just start it and then walk away. You know, you have to yeah. be dedicated and motivated to do it. So for me, I had that. Uh, and from there, you know, finding a name for your business that stands out and from the others, you know, that encompasses uh, your vision, which I found was like a really neat amalgamation uh, to make, uh, you know, you can name your business like, for example, like uh, JBL, you know, what does that mean? <laughs> I don't know what 
their names. Um, but you know, like this, you know, juice box lovers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, like you know, so there's these names that can be catchy, but they have no meaning. So you know, try and get a little bit crafty with it, um, which I found has really like benefited uh, me and Chromatic Pie because people like, can really relate uh, to what it is. Um, and then, you know, just, yeah, pushing forward and just being motivated, helping yourself. Um, don't be afraid to listen to other people's opinions or perspectives. You know, you need to bring those on board. Um, I'm actually going to be conducting some interviews next week with uh, accessibility uh, and representation. So I'm interviewing people with uh, um, who are partially blind, uh, who have uh, various uh, disabilities, and then I'm also interviewing people in the LGBTQ, um, people of colour and women. And so <clears throat> what I've done is I've, it's called an em empathy interview. So you've got these cards that you lay out and you name the, for example, I've named five um, facts and assumptions that lay out the problems, the solutions, the outcome and the value. Um, of the product or what you're trying to to achieve and so I'll be with what I've written down I'll be talking to these people with accessibility and, and, and representation to really like nail down um, if I have a really good idea on where I want to go and how to make the industry a, a better place and how to make games more accessible so you know just exhaust all these different avenues that can really like launch yourself into being uh, successful wow that's a, that's a lot, I and mean, that's awesome. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 that's all good. There is a lot, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then lastly, I like to do a little challenge at the end because uh, the Game okay. of the TV courses have a challenge for the, each lecture. So what would your challenge be for all the listeners listening? It could be related to making a studio. It could be related to producing, related to whatever you want like like it to be. And you could take as much time as you need to think of a challenge. A challenge? Um, oof. I would say, oh, can I mention audiobooks again? <laughs> yeah, you can. Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> Go read an audiobook. Pick like, you know, aim for one audiobook a month, you know, to start off with. Aim for that um, in the area that you want to learn from. Um, you know, I'll say that with like anything, you know, whether it's a, a YouTube video, uh, watch, you know, maybe one YouTube video a week from uh, something you want to learn about. Um, honestly, I'm just so like deep seated and just doing it yourself. You can do it. You know, when I was smaller or even when my, when my mum was my age, you know, our, our parents, they didn't have what we have now. You know, they don't, they didn't have the internet with YouTube and all these different forums and advice and, you know, everything. We're so lucky to grow up in this technological era. So definitely make the, the most of it. Um, and learn where you can. Um, I would say, I don't know if I can name just just one challenge because <laughs> it's all very like well-rounded. Um, <laughs> so I, I can't, I'm sorry. That's all, it, I think that's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good, that works. Pick an audio book yeah. and read it. And it's, it's a challenge for you listeners. Don't let anyone down. The books are good, self-help is not evil, I promise. <laughs> But read anything. Promise. It could be game design, yep. programming, health, uh, healthy books, nutrition, anything. Pick a book, expand your mind, grow. I like it. But yeah, so thank you for coming on. This has been so much fun. Thank Learned you. a lot. Love the chromatic pie. Love the pie. I need to make that one day. I'm gonna. 
I love baking, so I need that'd be so yeah, cool. Yeah, I'll make. I'll tell you how to make it. Yeah. Yes, yeah, awesome. Yeah, and then so oh. usually at the end we'll just hand the mic to you if you want to do any last minute shout outs, any last minute quotes, whatever you feel. And thank you for coming on. Thank you. Uh, well, yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. You know, I'm I'm really honored that you reached out to me and uh, I'm just so happy to be here. And for everyone listening, um, I believe in you. Just do the thing. You know, don't hold yourself back. You you don't want to hold yourself back. You know, be be a go getter, but be a, a smart go getter. You know, don't don't do it overboard. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you can reach me on uh, at Laurie Pops on Twitter. You can reach me on, um, you can go to chromaticpie.com. Um, there is a blog about me there uh, with a little bit more background information too. And of course on the studio and where we want to go. And um, take care during this COVID uh, pandemic. Well, that's it. Thanks for listening. You can find all courses at gamebiv.tv or in a show notes at a discounted price. Get started with your game development journey today. <laughs>